Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. How did we originally arrive at this point? So I, uh, again, no names. I guess for me, you could use a name, but I think I originally met you. It was definitely through MPS. Yes. And um, it was the orientation day. It was actually before that. You remember the day that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my yeah, 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 yeah. It was my first day. day. Yes, yes, my interview (laughs) day. Of course, you were working in Yvette's office. Yes, I was. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it was the interview. No, it was that day. I saw you, and And then the next day I saw you was the orientation. Yeah. And then from there, it was randomly by the library. Yes. Those were the three times. And at one point, which was the orientation day, you were still deciding whether you were going to stick with... MPS, like tutoring or not. Right. Yes. And then that was fine. But then I said, you asked me something, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it was, but anything. For me, if you go back far enough, you're going to get to some weird territory. You asked me something about the weird territory. And I said, well, it wouldn't be best if we worked together like if we were like if we were it was, if you picked if you decided to stay with MPS it might not be the best now I want to tell you straight up it's not that I don't know it's not that I'm trying to be uh, secretive mm-hmm. well I am but that's not my nature mm-hmm. right I would rather just tell anyone who's interested mm-hmm. but I'm beginning to think maybe it's not in my best interest to do that so that's the only reason why there was a specific, like, an extra requirement. But, okay. whatever, that's all over with. I just wanted yeah. to do a, a small catch-up so that I could remember the context of all of this. Yeah. Um, that's all over with, and now you would like to know about the sketchy territory. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> let me start from high school. Okay. When I was in high school... Um, Were you in L.A.? Because when he gave me your number, it was like... It was not like this area. Yeah, it was 626. I'm from yeah. Pasadena. Yeah, that's cool. You knew about... You, do you know about the 626? Yeah. Are you from L.A. No, or something? No, but I love L.A., so... Oh, all right. Yeah, I didn't know... I don't know who knows about what around here. Because there's so many international students that... Oh, yeah. uh, it's hard... To, I don't know what's familiar to anyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 626, Pasadena. Shout out to, you know, mm-hmm. Dina, as they say. <laughs> So anyhow, I I started off in high school in Pasadena. In Pasadena, and I was like a young AP IB student, so I was you know a decent student, and um, I was trying to decide where I wanted to go to college. Yeah. And uh, one of my grandparents went to UCLA, so part of me wanted to go to UCLA. That's so cool. Um, a lot of other LA schools, USC, mm-hmm. the CSU system, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, by the way, you want to leave the uh, car on? Yeah, because of the AC. Okay. Um, and then this curveball came. I was a part of this junior fraternity. Okay. Um, and we did a lot of events, like stepping was one of my favorite things, which is like a African dance if you've seen Stomp the Yard. <laughs> but um, we also went to this event called the Black College Expo. Okay. And it's where HBCUs are historically black colleges or universities 
go to recruit students. Okay. And um, long story short, I went to the Black College Expo and I got accepted to a bunch of different colleges with scholarships. Hmm. Now, again, I didn't really want to go to the colleges originally, but I thought, huh, this is like a cool safety school strategy. But then they sent out a letter and they said I had to reply with an acceptance or whatever um, before I ever would have had the, the opportunity to know whether or not other schools accepted me. For instance, UCLA waitlisted me and I would have had to wait an additional whatever amount of yeah. weeks to see if they would accept me. But the letter that was sent out from the black colleges was basically like, you have to accept it now. Otherwise, we'll take it away. So I said, oh, whatever. I'm probably, I'm going to study math. You know, I'm going to go to a different culture. These schools are mostly in the deep south. As You know, I'm from the west coast. Yeah. So there was a huge culture shock for me. But I ended up going that route. And most of the time, it worked out for me. I mean, um, I later on ended up switching to electrical engineering. But, uh, I mean, the first year, I got an internship at uh, this NASA center, Marshall Space Flight Center. It's in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, that was pretty cool. And then the next summer I worked for uh, Chevron in California. And then the last summer I worked at my school because I had been doing undergraduate research in uh, microelectronics for like, I wasn't doing microelectronics until the summer, but I was in the lab doing other stuff. Like I ran the, out the outreach for a year and I did some other miscellaneous shit the other year. So basically I was like a productive guy and it was like, <laughs> You know, the end of the road appeared to be uh, getting a job at Procter & Gamble or Clorox Bleach or Chevron. Well, not Chevron. I took that off the table. But at, at one of this, one of these businesses mm -hmm. that my school had, had spent some time building up a relationship with. Mm -hmm. um, but I had these kind of other troubles. Okay. Like, for instance, socially, I was in a situation where... Uh-oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a situation where I would do weird stuff like I joined a bunch of clubs and then yeah. quit all of them or like I was offered to be um, the president of a club and I turned it down or I was offered to be a part of an honor society's like ritual and I turned it down and I was just in a state of constant unrest and the only thing that was soothing for that period was that the person who happened to be my roommate on that first internship at the NASA base, he was like a year older or two years older than me, um, he kind of had the same mindset as I did, but we were both fighting the same struggles. Like, we were both creatives, but we had technical skills. And, um, you know, I would see him from time to time, and at the end of my, at the end of my uh, summer whatever session, in the lab, which was going into my senior year, I ended up actually moving into his house off campus. So it was like, honestly, my last summer there was one of the most amazing summers I had um, as a student. But there was this one thing, this uncompleted project, and it was a robotics team. So back when I was like a sophomore, I had started this robotics team. And uh, it started off with five people, we ended up with two people. A lot of people flaked, but we put together something like an Arduino robot and we Skyped into this competition in New York and that was supposed to be the end of it, but I kept trying to like re-recruit teams to finish what I had originally started. And each time I kind of fucked it up. But the last time I was sure it was going to be successful. 
And this is in addition to me like working in the microelectronics lab and, and just being a regular EE student. So I, I just, I had to put so much on my plate for some reason, or I felt that way. And uh, it ended up being the end of me. Like I, when I went into my senior year, one, I didn't have as much communication with like, like-minded people. Cause my, uh, my boy, the dude who, uh, who worked the internship with me, uh, graduated. So he actually moved back to Texas. And then two, I was really guilty that I hadn't finished this robotics thing. So I was like doing all this, I was staying up late. I was like going into the lab by myself and, uh, kind of trying to be a, a, a lonely leader in pushing, doing what I thought was pushing the school forward because there are a lot of things about that electrical engineering program that um, need a kind of reboot after the age of the internet that wasn't taking place. So I felt that if students didn't do that, then nobody would address it. Anyhow, they, at the end of all of this, basically my brain started melting. Like I didn't realize how much stress I was under, but it started off with like deja vu. You know, you think, oh yeah, I've done this before, but yeah. it's something completely different. And then the deja vu eventually became a paranoia where I was convinced. Well, at first I thought, oh, I suspect like there's some conspiratorial shit going on. Maybe my, uh, my chemistry teacher is out to get me or something like that. Maybe my friends are out to get me. But, um, certainly the day before I left, it was like really bad paranoia to the point where I went to the psychologist and I said like, Hey, I think why, like, why do I believe I'm about to be attacked? Right. And the psychologist tried to sympathize with me or whatever, but these things take a while, right. Yeah. To build up a relationship. <laughs> so by the second time I was considering going to the psychologist, I, I was already sure that she was a part of this conspiracy. And she was also like in a plot to hurt me or kill me. So, um, I ended up leaving the school, um, largely because I thought, like, I'm a sitting duck and I'm going to be hunted, and the least I could do is try to fight for my survival. So it was like the beginnings of a most dangerous game. Well, are you familiar with that story? The most dangerous game? Mm-mm. <laughs> the Hunger Games? Yes. Okay, yeah, it was like the beginning of a Hunger Games type of scenario for me, and uh, I really believed that something, like... Like, I was probably going to get killed. And not, like, in some faraway distant... Like, I was... The way that it felt, the way that I experienced it, was that I had probably two days left to live. Every single day. Every waking moment. And, um... Yeah, ultimately, I left that school. But I left that school, and guess where I went? So, I would... By the way, I was in rural Alabama when I left. Okay. So, the nearest airport that... It's either Montgomery Airport or ATL. So I went to ATL, and um, something was telling me, you need to go to San Francisco, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I skipped over a large part of this story, but whatever. You need to go to San Francisco. And I came to San Francisco. I spent... Now, I had money from internships because I was an engineering okay. student. So I spent my money on a... a plane ticket to san francisco and then uh when i got here or when i got there uh-huh. i kind of 
that same trend of like, I just realized I need to do something. Okay. Dominated all of my thoughts and behavior for the next, well, really it was only for like the next two months because of what happened next, but for let's say the next year, it dominated my behavior. Um, but the first day I uh, came out of San Francisco airport, I think I got on a BART, then I got on a, uh, the light. So you didn't have any place to live? No place to live, no interest in a place to live because I was only going to live two days. So um, I got eventually I got on the, what is it called, Caltrain. Yeah. And I just went as far south as I thought was fit. Because yeah. for whatever reason, I got freaked out about... I went to San Francisco, then got freaked out about being in San Francisco. So I, I went to San Jose. That was like the stop. Yeah. And I ended up by the airport. And I just remember like sleeping in the airport for a while, waking up, and then realizing one of my friends went to SJSU. Okay. So I called up my friend and said, hey, I'm in your city or whatever. Come pick me up. And to my surprise, he picked me up. Mm-hmm. So he took me to like his dorm. And I was like, let me be honest with you, man. I'm fucking freaking out. You got any weed? Right? I asked him for drugs, of course, because that's how you deal with these experiences. And, um, yeah, he was like, of course. So he smoked me out. But I took, like, one fat bong hit, and when I blew it out, I knew he was going to kill me. Like, all the paranoia. I I was paranoid already, you know? But it just, like, tripled over. And uh, I ran out of his house. I left some of my shit in his house. And uh, I just just remember being in the streets confused and terrified. And ultimately, the way the night ended was that I uh, attempted to carjack three people, like by San Jose State. And then I was like arrested, tased, and then I just slept in county jail. And I was, so I was in there for like, I was in county jail for like, three probably three weeks so what about your family so here's where they come in first of all i that's the most important detail i left out my family were the killers like they were the people who were going to kill me in two days so it was very important that i did not contact them so while i'm in jail i have a few family members in northern california and uh one of them visited and but when he visited it further confirmed that there was something very wrong about the whole situation to me because everything was beginning to get cartoony. I mean, there are a lot of different stages to my brain melting, but when I was in jail and people were visiting me, it was completely unreal to the point where I just thought, oh, now I understand what's going on. It's not a Hunger Games thing. It's like an inception thing or a matrix thing where it's not it's not that everybody's like a real person and crazy shit's happening it's that i'm not even living in reality and crazy shit is happening because of this simulation bullshit and people who run the simulation like the people who wanted to kill me or whatever family members chemistry teachers (laughs) the people who by the way i don't subscribe to these beliefs now But at the time, uh, it was more real than what's real to me now. And uh, people subscribing, you know, the people who are running the simulation are trying to fuck with me and or give me messages. And the part of it that was like the Hunger Games was that when I eventually got out of jail, which was by them helping me out, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, my real family actually helping me out. I interpreted that as the people who run the Hunger Games want to see me do violent things. And I'm being punished, but I was placed in this simulation or whatever. Uh, to entertain them, and I haven't been entertaining them. Because what have I been doing? I've been being a geek. I've been studying and fucking, you know, going on internships and stuff like that. Nothing's really... Like, I wasn't a big partier, you know? So, in a weird way, it was like a guilt associated with not doing enough horrible shit in my life. And, um... So I fucking misinterpreted everything. Like, guys in jail would tell me, like, oh, you tried to steal a car, you should try to steal trucks. And the way I would interpret that is like, oh, these are also people who are in the Hunger Games, and they they know that they need to entertain people, and they need to do shitty things, so uh, they're just better at it than I am because they've been living their whole lives like this. I just started. So, um, anyhow, that's a really twisted morality to start from, but that's not even the worst of the worst. So I get out, and it's still a little bit of a debate to me whether or not my uncle wants to kill me because he's driving right me home from no 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 oh, back then back then I while, he, like, while, while, while he's driving me I just I got yeah. out of jail he picks me up yeah. he's driving me and I'm looking at him while he's driving me and I'm thinking yeah. this fucking guy is either a simulation or he wants to kill me mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting here and not doing anything about it right mm-hmm. I need to defend myself mm-hmm. so I contemplate like yanking the wheel and driving us off the freeway just stabbing him in his throat or something like that but I just decide you know what let me just stay calm and when we get to wherever we get then I'll figure things out from there but I also wanted counter evidence like I really didn't want to believe this shit Mm -hmm. and I wanted to see you know what maybe everything's just fine you know because for me things kind of came in waves but it really fucked me up uh, when I got to the destination um, the TV was on, and this was a, the third time this had happened, but I had an auditory hallucination, which is that hearing voices, yeah. basically. But was, they were all a specific type, where when when the media is on, like the radio, TV, mm-hmm. whatever, you think that they're saying things that are coded messages specifically yeah. for you. Yeah. So um, this was like the most obvious case of that. Because the TV was on and they were literally saying things that involved my name and my family members' names. Such as, like, oh yeah, this person's going to kill him. We can't believe he was dumb enough to, like, follow us into the trap or something like that. And also, when it was happening, I thought everybody was experiencing it. So, I'm, like, looking at people like, oh shit, they really... I'm fucked. Like, they're mocking me while I'm in the dungeon, I guess. Moments away from my own demise. So, uh... At that moment, I realized, yeah, this is never going to work. This whole family shit is bullshit. I'm probably in a simulation, and I got to get the fuck out of here to survive my last few moments in peace. Maybe they'll murk me while I'm asleep, but it's definitely not safe. So, uh, and by the way, at the time, I was in Berkeley. So, uh, I left Berkeley, went to the university for a while. I'm not going to say too much about what happened at the university, but basically, I realized I can't stay in this city. Okay. And um, I ended up going back to San Francisco. Okay. I, I spent like my last dollar on a bus ride from Berkeley mm-hmm. to San Francisco. And um, when I was there, I just kind of slept in the streets for a couple of days. I almost got arrested once. <laughs> like I was laying on this bench and uh, out, of, out of nowhere, there were cops trying to arrest me. And I was like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? And uh, they're like, no, you're not supposed to like be here. 
come on, we're going to take you. And I was like, no, fuck that. So some something told me, just like, go limp and relax. Uh, because like the simula this was the explanation. I don't know the real explanation for why they didn't actually take me in. But um, the explanation in my head was, if it really is a simulation, then what's happening to you physically is really just happening in your head. In which case, if you stop going along with it, it'll just stop. So it's like, you know, an annoying headache or whatever. Just don't try to... And for whatever reason, they released me and I thought, oh, okay, so that proves I'm, you know, whatever. I'm in the simulation. And fast forward, um, maybe two or three days, I see some chick on the train. And I'm convinced that we have like a telepathic communication. But then I'm trying to forget about it. I leave the train, she leaves, goes on her day, about her day. And later that night, she sees me and she like calls me out. She's like, hey, you, yeah, I remember you, come here. And I'm like, oh shit, what happened, you know? And she says some riddle, like, uh, you should never mess with a queen on her own turf or something like that. I don't know what she said exactly. But those were all kind of confirming moments to me that real reality was false. And this false reality should be taken seriously. And uh, that same night that she said that, I became... I basically, that's when I really became a felon. Because uh, what I had suspected with the first time I went to jail, now it was, like, just solid fact in my mind. Uh, that I'm a part of some sick game, and uh, I need to entertain whoever put me in the simulation, blah, 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 blah. I'm probably going to die in two days, so I need to fight for my life. Um, and that night, uh, I committed a real carjacking, which was like taking someone's car, <laughs> which isn't funny, but, um, I was in psychosis at the time. <laughs> I didn't know I was in psychosis, yeah, but I but was. So I, I drove to a different county, got arrested for the second time, almost the third time. And while I was getting arrested, like I was literally running on the side of a freeway, like to get arrested like I was having a delusional experience and um, they took me in I was in a single cell for like a month and uh, eventually I said like I'm going to kill myself in here so they put me in the safety cell and that's kind of where the story switched because they also sent some psychologists to like evaluate me and they realized that I was like basically borderline schizophrenic at that point so uh, they gave me some medication, and um, from there, like, they, they recommended that I get sent to a psych hospital, um, took the medications, everything slowly cleared up, and the first day that I arrived in the psych hospital, which was like, I don't know how many months, I guess five months from me originally getting arrested, um, and probably six or seven months from me originally experiencing, like, psychotic things um that was the first moment that i realized that i had been in psychosis and that a lot of things that i thought were real were not real and a lot of things that i kind of was hoping were not real were real Uh, but it was also the beginning of me having a mental health education and um the way that my psychiatrist chopped it up was basically like well you if you have a history of psychosis in your family then it's no surprise that this is happening but it could also be like a lot of people can really fuck themselves up over stress alone and missing sleep alone and certainly while I was trying to found a robotics team um, 
I was living that kind of sleep is for the week lifestyle and I was putting a lot on my plate and I wanted, I mean, I honestly felt like my university was doing a disservice to my people. And uh, it, it was it was more than just completing a project to me. It was like, it was important given the history of this country that a place existed where uh, that HBCUs that every HBCU was a great of a, a, as great a college as possible, <laughs> and I felt that starting the robotics team was a part of that. So I really um, kind of pushed myself to the edge. But from there, it was pretty much smooth sailing. I still had to spend a lot of time in jail, but um, actually not too much. Fourteen months was not too much. That's a lot for a student. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'll uh, take a guess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, well, that's the thing. I, I had, you know, I'd done linear algebra before I ever went to jail, so I was not the average inmate. Most yeah. people don't have a GED and they're not interested. So my perspective was very different um, when compared to most inmates. But a large part of it was like doing anthropology, where you're seeing what is the culture here and how do I, how can I figure out how to fit in and how to thrive. And that's like a two-month problem for me. And then after two months, everything, you know, that's enough time to figure out uh, who I'm going to be while I'm in jail and then uh, I'm going to still retain whatever values I have left. <laughs> Which is, a, <laughs> I feel like comedy got became a stronger value as a result of being in jail because it's harder to take yourself seriously yeah. once you've been an inmate. Or to take yourself, like being like every at every point in my life it made sense to be like serious and try to be professional but it doesn't make sense anymore once you once you've had a psychotic break once you've been in jail for long enough then you're like look at me i'm a fucking jail nigga you know what i mean it's it, not that that's all that i think of myself but, yeah but um what what i found is that uh i was mostly connecting to a, a demographic that I never really found interesting and uh, there are a lot of just small things that I learned here and there and I felt that my overall I, I actually gained some skills while I was in jail and not that I didn't lose some I mean the closest thing I had to math I was obsessed with math right I went in studying math I went to EE because it was math based but uh, the closest thing I could get was a fucking probability and stats for dummies book because, like, one of the jail teachers, like, they teach classes. They do? <laughs> yeah, there's, like, programs that... You, you can go to a program dorm where you can learn things about, like, <laughs> substance abuse and stuff like that. But uh, one of the teachers was, like, some Russian lady who was, like, 55, and uh, she had a background in physics. And I was like, dude, I study EE. She was like, EE, e, why are you here? Like, what are you doing in here? Like, a uh, long story. But, um... She actually helped me out because she was willing to get me books, which she's really not supposed to do. But um, and then you meet people like you meet a bunch of rappers, you meet some pimps, you meet like drug dealers, and um, people really are not what the label. They're a lot more than what the label shows. For instance, there are a lot of drug dealers with uh, solid business skills, or there are people who are really good at reading emotions and. Maybe they use it for evil, but not all. Like, when they're around me, they don't use it for evil. So I recognize, hey, that's a skill set that I could build up. Yeah. Um, not to say inmates are the greatest people in the world. They're not. We're not. I'm not an inmate anymore, but 
there's also a lot of pieces of shit. So um, I'm not saying everything's all roses. Um, But ultimately, I got out. And no, before I got out, somebody came in to speak about the expungement, which is like how to get your record cleared after you get out of jail. And um, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, I work at this community college called De Anza College. And if anybody in here, like, wants to go to school after they get out, just hit me up. And um, I was like, dude, I'm probably going to try to go to San Jose State, but if, you know, whatever my options are, I'll take them. Um, And that was the first time I had ever heard of De Anza. So I came to San Jose, like, on some psychotic shit. And I heard about uh, De Anza specifically while I was in jail. So the guy who, there's a guy here who, like, met me as an inmate. Um, So anyhow, uh, that's the the general summary of the rough patches, is that there's some jail in my background and there's some mental health in my background. But um, honestly, like, right now, mostly I'm relearning a lot of the basics of um, what it means to be a student. So writing, study habits, yeah. for me personally doing math, but again, I was doing math in jail too, so it never really stopped. I just have professors now that I could kind of chop it up with, um, official classes, evaluation, etc. But um, yeah, my blueprint for life, oh, also while I was in jail, I started rapping and writing raps. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, and it's the, oh, it's so cool in jail because like you can't get any music except by watching music videos and they only come on like from five from four o'clock to five o'clock so it's like a super event from four to five every day and uh sometimes it's only from four to four thirty depending on which ceos are running the whatever the pod so if someone can create that's everything because now now you you have access to new material and for me I mentioned like a kind of anthropology view of all this kind of analysis view when I went in there like the two months that I spent learning about kind of all of the games that are being played by inmates in jail um, I was being kind of studious like I would write down long long lists of topics that I'm like I don't know I know that this is important but I don't understand why and then eventually I would figure it out For instance, if you have bunk beds, the bottom bunk is superior to the top bunk. And uh, I think the reason why now is because it's easier to be, it's easier to jump up from, like to be on your feet if you're on a bottom bunk, right? To to be mobile. But I did not, because I always liked top bunks, you know? So people would come up to me and say like, when are you going to get a bottom bunk, man? I'm like, what? I don't give a fuck. Like, this is great. And then later on, I realized, like, oh, no, no, no. That's like a respect thing. And there's so many small things that are uh, really ways that inmates show respect to one another that uh, I had to learn. But in my raps, they were all just, like, biographies, like autobiographies. Or they were descriptive. Um, So I would say specific stuff about this pod, specific slang that's used, specific events that happen. And uh, people really appreciated that because um, it's not just original, it's also very relevant to what's going on in their lives at that moment. And it's like when you're doing time, it's not just blank time. Usually you're, you're living in a routine. So that's a lot of what I would speak about is people's various routines and 
um, why they're fulfilling. You know, it's very weird living like that because you're in you you're literally it's like you're an animal in a way, but at the same time you discover things like hey, I don't have everything, but I do have some things that I value, and like perseverance or um, mental strength or um, the ability to keep trying things or the willingness to um, face fears. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting environment where growth is actually possible. Now, I don't know if that's, if most people take it that way, but after a certain point, that's, that was my approach to the whole thing. I fucking lost my mind and I did some fucked up stuff. But ultimately, I didn't choose to lose my mind. I didn't know that that was a risk. And, um, and what matters to me is how I continue to live. And um, so far, like right now, I probably live the life of a normal student. Actually, not so normal because I have my own math class. Yeah. Yeah, I have. So I created this course, uh, the special projects in math. I didn't create the course, but I organized it under this title where... Uh, the only rule is you have to get a professor to sign off. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I picked, like, some guy who's getting his PhD, and he was like, yeah, I'm down to tutor you if you can, like, get a book. So I got a book from San Jose State, and I was like, how about this? It's like a proofwriting course. He was like, yeah, fuck it. So That's now cool. it's like, it's only a one-credit course, but you can do it up to three credits. So in that sense, I'm actually a little bit more advanced, because I can't, like... Until my applications are done, I'm probably not going to take an official math course here. Because I might have already taken all of them. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but this one is super fun. And it's like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, look, I'm lucky enough to at least do it for this quarter. Yeah. Which is have that personal tutor. Focus on the shit I want to focus on. You know? I'm a full-time student, finally. Um, I could still write. You know? Um... I still have basically the same interests, yeah. uh, but now, I guess, in a way, the biggest way that it exists is as a story. Um, that and these glasses, which came from the psych hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But anyhow, that's the summary of why of uh, the gray area. So, why did I leave? Because of psychotic break. For bad yeah. reasons. But bad reasons that weren't so the normal bad reasons. So, basically, your school wasn't bad. It was because of your... You was going through some shit. Yeah, I was going through some really crazy... Sh crazy is the right word, too. Some crazy shit. I, I was a 3-7 student. So, I was usually pretty on top of my stuff. Uh, I was applying for grad school at the time. So, not just... I didn't mention that. I was applying for grad mm. school. And I was trying to found the robotics team. And I was just doing regular... EE stuff so um, there was a point where that was a real challenge because my professor who was who wanted me to apply for grad school and who was helping me was like dude stop worrying about this robotics bullshit and then my friends who like you know they were just my friends they were all kind of creatives like yeah. they were like dude do the robotics thing like that's gonna be like that's the most important thing probably that you're gonna do while you're here is set something up so that it's easier for students to build certain skill sets that our school isn't currently emphasizing. Mm -hmm. But that's, it's important in the 21st century, you know, um, especially for engineering. But even if you're, you know, a business student, you can learn something by building robots. So um, I had this kind of tug of war and um, 
ultimately, uh, nobody really won because I didn't apply for grad school. I didn't found the robotics team. I didn't get my bachelor's. Um, but what I did get was a fucking crazy experience. Um, I mean, even now, thinking about the jail days, it's like another world. It doesn't even seem real, but it's as real as it can get, you know? Yeah. So, anyhow, I don't mean to scare you. No. But uh, the point is, everything's fine now. I, 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 you Are you already still on know. medication or no? Oh, yeah. I better be. If, I'm, if I went off of medication, so my diagnosis is bipolar. Mm -hmm. And um, it's usually characterized by mania. And mania is like missing sleep, yeah. hyper ideas, hyperactivity, whatever, which is great. And it actually feels good. But the problem is when it goes on for too long, it can get in, you can become psychotic. Yeah. Um, and you can become psychotic just from missing sleep without bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I do it for my own sake. Um, but yeah, I'm on medication. Why are you scared? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Why should I be scared? Yeah, well, the funny thing as about it... As long as you're on medication, I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about it is uh, there's this guy I call the Penguin Man. He, he's a similar story. But for a lot of bipolar people, like, when we're... It's, it's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing where when everything was fine, it was really fine. Like, it's not like I was... I had criminal tendencies before and then it just enhanced them. It really was all good. Like... Yeah. Um, and I feel that way now. Everything's all good. I don't at any point wonder like, hey, maybe I can steal something and get away with it. Because I don't really have that impulse. But, but, deep in that zone, it's fucking, it's, it's a different world. It's very odd. I mean, it's actually terrifying in a sense because you have moments of being normal. Mm -hmm. Where you're like, whoa, I'm trapped. Like, I'm trapped in my own brain, and, like, I don't really know what I can do. But when you're in the trap, it feels like it's you. Yeah. So, it's it's almost like if you think there's no way that the sky is, I don't know, yellow. But then, if you're having a hallucination that the sky is yellow, yeah. then what you're going to be thinking is, oh, that time when I thought... There's no way it could be yellow. That was the delusion. And this is reality. Because I'm looking at reality and that's what it is, you know? So, um, it's very much like if somebody's holding something and then they put it behind their back. And you think, is it still there? Well, yeah. obviously you would think it's still there. But the problem is what, you know, what is actually the reality? And yeah. which one is just, like if something's not there, is that... Is it not there because it's actually not there? <laughs> or is it not there because you're having a hallucination yeah. or a delusion that's telling you it's not there? Mm -hmm. So it's really fucked up. But anyhow, none of that shit is... I don't have to deal with none of that shit now. That's good. <laughs> um, that's interesting, though. Yeah. And increasingly, like I said, it's just a story now. Yeah. I mean, even three weeks... Uh, three months ago, there was some... I don't know. Well, I'll always have these glasses as long as they don't... Actually, I told this girl today. I said, if you ever get too mad at me, break my glasses. Because that's actually... That's going to get to me. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to bum you out, all right? Let's oh, talk no. about something joyous or, or whatever. <laughs> but that was interesting. Where are you from again? Iran. Iran. 
Iran. That scares me. I don't think I would survive in Iran. No, you would. <laughs> well, people will stare at you. Because over there, you know, it's not really diverse, so. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah, it's not that good. But it is what it is. As an adult, do you want to live in Iran? Um, I still miss it. But I'm not sure if I, like, really want to live there. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm really starting my life in here, you know, going to school, finding a job, and then as I, like, go further, it's going to be harder for me to go back because I'll find a better job. Yeah. And I want to apply for another school, so... I don't know. You never know what's going to happen, but... That's a good point. Yeah, you never know. But I know for a fact that it's really hard for my parents. And it makes sense. Like, they're old. I mean, they're not that old, but they're like 46 something. And for coming to a new country, yeah, that's old. Because yeah. you're not going to find a good job because you're not as young as other people. You yeah. know? You don't have the same good education that they do in here and they don't accept it. You know how it is in the US. Yeah. And the language is different. You don't know people, you don't have your friends. My mom is our family, but that's about it. Mm. Yeah, you gotta support him. Yeah. On that note, we're gonna wrap things up with the most important question in <laughs> the, the universe. The most important <laughs> question Are you ready? in the universe. Yes. Three or nine? <laughs> what? That's the question? Yes. Nine. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm a real tigger. I got triggers. Dip her in honey. I will lick her like Pooh Bear. I'm too rare. You care bears. Your crew scared. Tape here when the fam's near. Cheap shit. That's out. Weekends in the kitchen. Off the deep end, but I'm living. Ooh. Cleaner than soapbox. The Chef of X podcast. Mmm, delicious.